0: People have stepped up. People who've never heard of our church. People who've never heard of Butch's Deli. Uh, news stations have picked this up, and television stations, and those sorts of things. And God has used that platform to spread the word. We've had people coming from all over the place. I had a guy from Dallas, Texas, who saw what we were doing on LinkedIn, and he's like, "Hey, man, if you and if you and your team will jump into the the pond in the middle of that snowy crap, I just I'll give you a thousand dollars to help with the with the ministry."
1: Well, what's going on, everybody? With me today is uh, a good friend of mine, a man that I met nearly two years ago that just completely rocked my world from the moment that he and I started chit-chatting with each other. Uh, With me today is my friend, Andrew Anderson. Andrew, man, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself?
0: Yeah, Stuart, it is awesome to be a part of what you're doing right now. I love, I love, I was just telling you that I love so much what you are on this platform and, and what you're trying to accomplish is amazing. So my name is Andrew, and I have the privilege of being a pastor in a northern part of Omaha, Nebraska. It's called Blair. My wife, Stacey, and I have been married for 18 years. We've got six, yes, six kids, five girls, and one boy, and a very large 105-pound 100, yellow lab
1: awesome yeah uh i remember when you and i met went over to your house got introduced to your lab and i was just thinking for those that know my dog uh our dogs would have been like best friends with each other they you know two completely different breeds yellow lab miniature australian shepherd but for whatever reason they were like cut from the same litter because of just their attitude and everything
0: yeah when we when we moved here, my wife said that uh, I could get a dog. We moved from Minnesota where I was a pastor for five and a half years before that. And so uh, she said I could get a dog and didn't, uh, didn't give me any other parameters for it. And so we went and found this, this litter of uh, purebred yellow labs. A farmer was, was selling amazing dogs. And I happened to find one with the biggest paws. Had no idea that our veterinarian who's been in, in, uh, in the clinic for 25 years, said so she's never seen a lab this large. So I like to think that they take on the persona of their, of their owners, but I'm, I'm probably being a little uh, hopeful there.
1: (laughs) Well, Andrew, man, you, you mentioned that you're pastoring a church up in Blair, Nebraska, but the reality is that you are so much more than just a pastor. Um, You're, you're a coach, you're a leader by trade. um, You just have so many different skill sets. I, I think I even recently saw that you just got done uh, publishing a, a book through Philippians. Is that correct?
0: Yeah. Yeah, it's a really cool project that came together in relatively short order. And I included some of my amazing staff uh, with me. And it, it's called It's in the Journey. Most of us are so focused on the destination that we miss the journey. And Philippians is a tremendous example of journeying with Jesus as, a, as, as you become devoted to, as a follower of Jesus in life and ministry. So what we did was we took a a daily approach where we parsed the scriptures in our super practical, relevant way, starting with Philippians one and all the way to the end each day, we, we tackled it. And man, it's been so much fun to see how God's used that, that, uh, that journey to be a, a part of people who have grown in their faith and knowledge and stature as a Christian. And I never set out to write a book, man. I just wanted to equip Christians and encourage their hearts and help them take their next step as followers of Jesus. And it's been a lot of fun to be a part of that project.
1: Yeah, man, I'm definitely looking forward to getting my hands on that and journeying through that one as well, just because even the ministry that I lead here in Colorado Springs, we're getting ready. Uh, this is going to be a spoiler for any of my young adults that end up listening to this, but we're, we're going to be doing a series. We do one book series every year and we're going to be walking through the book of Philippians uh, this summer. So when I saw that, you dropped that. I was like, well, I know a resource that I need to get my hands on now.
0: (laughs) That's awesome, man. I'm excited for you guys. That's cool.
1: Yeah. Well, um, Again, this whole podcast is about helping people understand that, you know, there are probably many different things that you can do. Uh, There's probably many different things that you can be successful at, but pursuing your passion and stepping further into that tends to be what I have found more satisfying and more fulfilling. Um, You know, as I have journeyed in my own life and kind of made it through the weeds and trekked through the mud, I've started to really narrow down who God has designed me to be, uh, what the makeup is for the things that I'm passionate about, and how do I utilize those things in this life that He has set me out on. And so even talking to you, Andrew, I asked, what are you passionate about? And you said leadership, coaching, uh, a lot of the things that we've already mentioned. So can you tell us just a little bit, where did that passion
0: come from? I was thinking about that in a lot of our conversation earlier, What that shift was for me when I think the light turned on and I realized that it was leadership and that would be my junior year of high school, 1995, 96, which is telling of how old I really am. I was a football player and and our football coach, Ed Burton, is probably one of the greatest leaders and influencers that I've ever known. And I didn't even know that's what he was I just chalked it up to being a football coach with high expectations for us. But one of the things that he did at the end of every single game was he gathered us together. We went up into the stands, win or lose. We sat amongst the parents and the fans. And Coach Burton would talk about what had happened in the game, things that stood out to him. He would even talk about things that we needed to get better at. One thing that he liked, one thing he thought we could work on. But he would always give out a game ball. And he had what he called the Attaway or Attaboy moment. And so he would, he would announce to everybody, hey, this fall goes out to Stuart McPherson today. Man, he rocked the game. He changed the course of the game. He didn't have a touchdown today, but the way, he, the way he held that block opened things up for Michael Jordan to go all the way. And because of that, Stuart, way to be a great team member, way to be a supporting role. That's real leadership. And he'd, he'd hand the game ball away and he'd say, all right, guys, together. And he'd, he'd call out, hey, Stuart, and the whole team and all the stands with would echo and mimic. Hey, Stuart, go, Stuart, go, Stuart, out of way, out of way, and we'd all start clapping at the end and and celebrating that moment. But what I loved about that, the leadership was, he was always super intentional to help us think about how we could capitalize on our strengths while being honest about our weaknesses hmm. and how to get how to get better, how to be more intentional. And sometimes it was. At the time, I didn't know it was called Strengths-Based Leadership. In fact, I don't think that was a thing. Marcus Buckingham hadn't even hit the, hit the circuit yet with his Strengths-Based Leadership approach. But he was so good about helping us surround ourselves with people in positions that made us better, not just on the field, but in the classroom, in the gym, in, in social settings. And so as I, as, I, as I look back over the course of my life, I have applied a lot of the practices and principles that I learned as a a student at Oregon City High School into my life in ministry, trying to be a consummate learner, a consummate encourager, a consummate coach, trying to ask and answer the question, now what is something we're doing really well and how do we capitalize on that? And what's an area that, that we're struggling and being super honest about that and then encouraging others as we go through it not just on what we, what we consider the big moments in ministry, right? Your Sunday mornings, your Wednesday nights, any of those things. But throughout the week, how are we helping each other be better in social spheres, as families, and in life and ministry together? So I would say my passion for leadership started with Coach Ed Burton and uh, the Oregon City Pioneers football team. Mm.
1: Yeah, that's great. I think that we tend to look over what our life experience has taught us. And it's always a sure. hindsight. It's always a hindsight thing, right? You look back, all of a sudden you find yourself in a certain situation and you're looking back and you're like, oh man, this is totally like how my coach did this, or this is how a mentor in my life did this. And I didn't even realize that this is how I'm now, you know, acting out or leading or coaching or whatever it is. Um, you know, I've I've always had people ask me well, how did you get into ministry and why ministry, you know, why is it that you do what it is that you do and all that kind of stuff. And besides for the, the fact that going into ministry, ministry is a calling, one thing that I have picked up on uh, recently as I've been reflecting back on my life is God's always designed me to be a teacher uh, or a coach. Yeah. And, sure. um, and, and I started picking up on that not, not too, too long ago where, you know, I grew up playing baseball. And at one point in time, the game just started getting uh, faster uh, compared yeah. to what I was able to keep up with. And uh, but I what I did realize was I could coach. I could tell yeah. people how to do the things that I wasn't good at good at. Right. So, you know, if somebody's throwing a, a curveball. I can tell somebody, hey, you really need to wait on that. Uh, and, and wait right, for that ball right. to break versus right. me if I went up there I, I'm probably going to strike out every single time you could throw three straight yeah. curveballs at me and I can know that curveballs coming at me and I'm probably still going to swing and miss um, but everything that I did it, that all translated out where when I look back on it I could always teach people or coach people how to do uh, something better than what I could actually do and it's always yeah, interesting too. because you, we we always get told wow. well you can't The student can't really surpass the master or anything like that. And it's just more of, well, I don't know that the student ever really does surpass. It's just, I I can just teach it better than I can do it, you know,
0: Um, because
1: somebody who can do something really well doesn't necessarily mean that they can teach others how to do it. Um, For sure. So, yeah, that's great. Uh, So, up in Blair, Nebraska, I've been there once, Uh, not a huge town. Uh, But you are connected to Omaha in a way. Um, So with everything that's going on and how God's wired Andrew Anderson to lead, because you're leading a church that, since you gotten into that position, has just exploded a lot to do with God putting the right people at the right place at the right time. Um, But we are in the middle of this crisis known as the COVID-19 pandemic. Um, Yeah. How how has your leadership style been impacted due to this crisis?
0: Uh, trial by fire, man. Yeah, you're you're right. Blair, Nebraska is a is a is a town of nine thousand. It's what they call a transitional community. We're not rural anymore. We're 14 miles outside of the skirt, the, the outskirts of of Omaha proper, and so we're we're not suburban yet. Which means that we're in this transition between. Being rural and and suburban. Uh, Our community is 9,000. Our church, when I got here, was 300, in fact, 348 exactly on my very first Sunday, November the the 6th, 2016. And right now, we're about 1,300 people a week. And what God has done has just been super miraculous. I've been so unbelievably blown away. You know, we always pray this prayer, and I, I almost think that as Christian leaders, it becomes a little cliche like we we want to believe it we we pray this prayer lord do immeasurably more than we could ever hope or imagine mm-hmm. i don't know that we expect it and if i'm being super honest that's where i was at like i came into this setting where it was on the heels of a massive church split and it was pretty devastating church splits are never easy but they are they are uh, hyper uh, uh, hyper affected in a smaller community mm-hmm. and i came in and i prayed that prayer lord do immeasurably more than I could ever hope or ask for. And he has. Now we've had 356 salvations inside of three years and God's just done this amazing work. So when, when this COVID crisis hit, we are actually on the on, uh, on the verge of a lot of transition and change in our church. We're doing some work to our facility and our worship center. We, we're adding some amazing staff. We've got some amazing things we're doing. And all of a sudden we're faced with this This obstacle, and it's more than that, it is obviously it's a pandemic that is affecting human life. It's impacting relationships. It's impacting finances. It's impacting faith. So here we've been working toward a lot of really cool transition as a team and as a church. We've been dream casting and vision dripping for our worship center and for new ministry and and for staff that are going to help accomplish the vision that God has given us to be a community where people encounter Jesus and their lives are changed forever. And just like that, in one day, the the economy shuts down around us. Our our economy here in Blair was radically impacted last year. We had some of the worst flooding in in the history of Nebraska. I mean our president declared a state of emergency and came out and saw the devastation. And so This was just another thing that our our community has had to deal with. And I will tell you that what God has done has been immeasurably more than I could ever have hoped or imagined for. Here we are. We're in the war room. We're drawing up schematics and plans about how we're going to expand our ministry and impact more people through this worship center and through expanding our staff and through some of the seismic shifts and even our approach to ministry. And and then all of that's taken away from us. We can't do that. In fact, none of that even matters anymore, right? Who cares what your worship center or the bricks and mortar of your building look like when people are devastated by this pandemic? So for us, we had to ask immediately, what is the greatest need in our community? And what we quickly discovered is that 48% of the students in Washington County, so that's Blair and multiple other communities and cities in the surrounding area, 48% are on free or reduced lunch. And Blair is no exception to that rule. So we we, we began to ask around and say, hey look, we, we we talked to the principals at the high school, at the junior high, at the elementary school. We talked with the, the superintendent of our school district. We started talking to local, local law enforcement, the sheriff's department and asking the question, what can we do? Where's the greatest need right now? How can we be the hands and feet Of Jesus, and what we found out quickly was that most of these parents in our community—they commute to work. They're going in a lot of directions, and then a lot of them are impacted because they're losing their jobs and uh, that sort of thing. So, found out that they just didn't have food. It was a very practical need. They didn't have food, and so we went to Adam Thiel and Butch's Deli. It's a local deli diner right here in our community, and we asked him if he would be willing to partner with us to make lunches that we would deliver to these students that had need. The very first day we put this out there after Adam and his amazing team agreed to be a part of this excitingly, we had 44 respond. They text in or they called in their, the the number of people that they had in their home that were interested in a meal within the week, we were up to about 168 by the following week, we had to cap it at 300 a day. So right now we are serving over 150 families and over 300 individuals every single day to to meet the needs of a very physical need of our community. These are these are elementary kids, junior high kids, high school kids that can't drive to get out to get food. Their parents may not have the means financially to to even provide the food at this point. So Monday through Friday every day We've been handing out meals at this point, by the end of this week, we will have given out over 8,000 meals and it will have cost over $35,000. The raw cost, the hard cost for these meals, is about four dollars and fifty cents minus the water bottles and the, the the stuff that we've been doing. But we've had over over three hundred volunteers coming every single day. We've got an amazing system. No, I'm sorry, over three hundred volunteers collectively over the the eight weeks we've been doing this. But every single day we've got about thirty seven volunteers that are working to help caravan and drive these meals throughout our community, and and it's expanded, man. We we go as far as forty five minutes away from Blair to drop off four meals for a family that is desperately in need. Here's the cool thing. As we began to, what we call obedience is our success. As as we began to lead in obedience, not knowing how anybody in the community was going to respond, people have stepped up, people who've never heard of our church, people who've never heard of Butch's Deli. uh, News stations have picked us up and television stations and those sorts of things. And God has used that platform to spread the word. We've had people, coming from all over the place. I had a guy from Dallas, Texas, who saw what we were doing on LinkedIn, and he said, hey, man, if you guys uh, – it was a snowy day we had like two weeks ago. It was crazy. One day it was 78 degrees. The next day we had four inches of snow outside and uh, life life in the Midwest. And he's like, hey, man, if you and, if you and your team will jump into the, the pond in the middle of that snowy crap, I just, I'll just i give you $1,000 to help with the, with the ministry. And his point wasn't us jumping in the pond. He was just trying to come up with a, a creative way to create – uh, awareness of what we were doing. And so, man, sure enough, uh, we did it. And he he stepped up and donated $1,000 all the way from Dallas, Texas. Never been to Blair, Nebraska, never been to our church, never met most of our team. And uh, yeah. so to date, the $35,000, I think our church has spent $5,000, give or take, out of our outreach budget. The other $30,000 has been donated by local businesses and individuals who have wanted to make a difference in this community. So I would say you asked a question. How has my leadership shifted? Yep. Uh, we have had to be we have had to be light and quick. Mm-hmm. We've got we we've had to be light in our leadership. You know, a lot of times we're so heavy. We're heavy with debt on a, of a building. We're heavy with programs. We're heavy with, uh, with 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 people and and all the things that that their expectations are and and of us. And we're heavy. We're staff heavy. Or we've got all these things that come up and they it creates this this weight this burden. So we've had to learn to be super light with our ministry and quick to adapt. Now, what we haven't changed is why we exist. What we haven't changed are the core values that drive us. That at our church, we gather, we grow, we give, and we go. The gathering has had to take on new shape and new form. Obviously, with social distancing, it looks very different. But we've we've been light and quick, and uh, we've not been afraid to make mistakes. And I think that's one of the things that a lot of leaders if they're really honest, that's just what they're, they're flat out afraid to, to move because they're afraid of making mistakes. And I never want to be guilty of, of that, man. I'd rather, uh, I'd rather be honest about our mistakes, learn how to capitalize on what we're doing that's working, and, and come up with creative ways to address the things that, 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 that aren't working. And so, man, I'd just say that, that that's one of the ways that, that God has, has worked in the midst of this crisis, and one of the ways that our leadership as a team, light and quick, has, has shifted,
1: I, I'm always impressed with, um, uh, the people that are quick to action just because I think that there's too much riding on the line to sit and wait and be reactive that rather than proactive. And I'm right there with you. I would much rather try something and find out that it doesn't work than just sit on it and go, sure. well, I don't know, maybe we'll, we'll never know if that would have worked or not. Um, I think that's one of the most frustrating things to me is to sit there and spin tires. Yeah. yeah. And, um, and and just never know. But so I would say, and this is just my assumption, <clears throat> and you can totally correct me if I'm wrong. But would you say that through all of this uh, COVID pandemic, that that has been the biggest success uh, for you and your church and your community uh, since this whole thing got started, just being able to rally the community together to supply these meals? Or would you say that there's something else that has kind of maybe, maybe uh, taking the lead in that race of what success looks like during this time?
0: We've had different successes. That's a great question. We've had different successes. I would say from a very pragmatic, practical sense for our community, that's, that's probably far and away the biggest success that we've had is being able to meet a very physical need while representing a very real Jesus. And the number of people that we've been able to pray with and pray for the number of people that we've been able to to walk alongside in the middle of this has been seismic, man. We have reached people that we would never reach on a Sunday morning, that our that our that our, that our marketing campaigns would never reach, that our social media would never reach. They had no reason. These are these are atheists. These are agnostics. These are people who just spiritually are, are aloof. They don't care, or they have they've never had a reason to care until there's this crisis and they are they find themselves in need. And now we get to be Jesus to the least of these. And so a $4.50 meal may seem insignificant, mm-hmm. but it is literally fundamentally forming lives and the, the connections. I mean, we have, I'll give an example. We've got this, this family that, that is in a different part of our, it's, it's a family that we drive 45 minutes every single day to get to. They live in one of the most impoverished communities in Nebraska. And, and uh, this, this individual uh, uh, just got – she is a single mom with four kids, just got done with surgery for cancer, isn't able to go through chemotherapy or radiation because she has no one to be at home with her kids and has no, no way to, to, uh, to take care of their needs. And some of some of the people in our church that have and others churches have rallied around us as well that have begun to deliver meals to them, found out about this and found out about their needs. Man, they stepped up in a huge way. They, they, these volunteers from our community and from our church that we didn't even know were they were doing this provided an incredible Easter for them, uh, have gone every week and taken countless dollars of groceries to this family and have gone in to help clean the house and assist this family. That's the kind of stuff where. The metrics of it doesn't seem like a big deal. You got five people in a house, a single mom and four kids. And so on paper, the metrics that a lot of churches use to indicate success, and that's not, you know, that's just, that's a five is not a big number, but I'll tell you what, man, every, every number has a name. Every, every name has a story and every story matters to God. And that has been a seismic thing, man. We, this 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 mom wrote the most unbelievable email about how God has captured her heart and changed their family's life because of the generosity of people in our community. And so that has been huge. Another thing I would say is we realize that God is doing a really unique work at our church, and has we have resources that most churches in America don't have. We've got a team that most people don't have. We've got we've got access to things that most people just don't have. And we realize that, especially in a season like this, Stuart, churches are overwhelmed and under-resourced. And so we had churches start calling us and asking us, hey, what are you guys doing here? How are you leading through this? What's your... These are people that don't have a social media platform and those sorts of things. So we've actually partnered with two other churches and uh, are, are, are giving them our resources. On Easter Sunday, we actually partnered with another church in Iowa, an hour and 20 minutes away, that didn't have the same uh, capabilities that we have in terms of media, and they came over and, and were involved with the, and some of their leadership were involved with leading our Easter service and we partnered together and, and we're able to broadcast for them and for us. And that's just been huge. And it's not a, it's not about Andrew Anderson. It's not about my church. It's about the capital C church. We're actually in the middle of a series right now entitled keep going where we're partnering with another church that's three hours away in another part of Iowa, where their pastor came and said, hey man, love what you guys are doing. How can we do something together? And so we're, we're sharing the teaching on this and we're mutually uh, sharing resources and encouraging and encouraging each other. And, and so that's another way that I think, and I look at this and say, Lord, we've always been about the, the capital C church, the big C church, but most churches, if we're really honest, again, man, we, ca- we try to capitalize on our strengths, but we're not really honest about our weaknesses. We say we wanna be the hands and feet of Jesus. We say we wanna be the church. But it's not until you your trial by fire that you really that you really see uh, what that looks like and and so here's an opportunity that we've had to 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 not to not be about us. it's about it's about edifying the body and glorifying God. It's not about building my kingdom here on earth. It's about expanding his kingdom this side of heaven, and being obedient to what he's called us to and and that's just been super cool tool. And then I would say maybe maybe a third thing, and this will be quick, but a third thing has just been. The creativity that has emerged from our staff has been epic, epic, epic. And this, has, this will forever alter and change and shape the way we lead in our community. This being able to work virtually, being light and quick, the honest conversations that we're having, asking ourselves the hard question, does our annual budget reflect who we are as a church and what we say we believe. Mm. Most churches are are are, are if, if, if they're in budget crisis because they owe so much on their building because they've built this mm. bricks and mortar compound for their people to come to. And I'm not saying that that's a bad thing. We, I mean, we're blessed. We've got a phenomenal facility, and I just said at the at the top of the podcast that we're in the middle of a of a, of a remodel of our entire worship center. But we've been saving for years to be able to pay cash for that. And, uh, and so man, I, I'd say that, that, that churches are just really struggling with, if they're honest, um, their budget doesn't reflect what they what they say they care about. They are staff heavy. So uh, the budget is is more than it's greater than 50 percent of the overhead is spent on staffing or on facilities. And what happens then is if you're program heavy or you're pastor heavy or you're your property heavy, you, you're never able to be about the purpose and that's, that's something that we've had to be really honest about. That's something that we've had to say, hey, our budget doesn't reflect what we say we care about. And in this crisis, we have reallocated a lot of our funds, and redirected our energies and our time and our treasures into what we really need to be caring about, what Jesus said we need to be about, caring for the orphans and the widows and the least of these. If you give even a cup of water in my name. It's as though you've done it unto me. And so Jesus, when he was here, he didn't build—he didn't build these 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 massive tabernacles for worship. He went to towns and villages and met people in the midst of their madness, and 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 delivered them from from the mania and, and in a very real, personable way that matters and makes sense. And so, bro, I'm not I'm not I'm not condemning any church or any. I've been a pastor for 22 years, and I'll be honest, for 21 and a half, I've been guilty of the same things that I just. Mentioned, right? Like I said, that, that great leadership is about learning how to capitalize on your strengths while showing up your weaknesses. And in order to show up a weakness, it begins with being honest. And so if I'm being honest with myself, I have tried to build these bricks and mortars that are attractive and people would want to come into. And I think that there's tremendous value in that. We don't want to bore anybody into the kingdom of heaven, right? That's not what we're called to. But I just think that our budget as leaders, our budget needs to reflect, has to reflect the heart of Jesus and what we say we care about, it has to, it it just how we've got to get better about that as a church, as leaders in the church.
1: Yeah, totally agree. And even just as you were talking about that, I was thinking how right now, and, and this is always a hard thing to say, but in the crisis that our world is facing right now with this pandemic, it's crazy that this, this has been probably the prime time for the church to step up and show off who they're actually about, yeah, right? Yeah, that's good. We say that we're about Jesus. We say that we care about people. I mean, Jesus said, look, the two of the, two of the greatest commandments, love God, love others. Yeah, that's right. And in this, because God's always in control of everything that's going on, sure. it's almost kind of like God saying, all right, church, now's the time. Now is the time for you to step up for you to represent me well to those around you in your community yeah. and around the world, showing that I'm still alive and active and very much uh, in control of everything that's going on. And as you were talking about your budget and I was reflecting back on what you were talking about with the the food the food program and rallying your community around that, I was thinking, man, how is it that people and this is going to sound condemning and I don't mean it to, but how is it that people think that God isn't alive and active? and still doing miracles today right, right. because as i'm sitting there listening to you i'm thinking man andrew just said that they've put in five thousand dollars from their own budget from their outreach budget into this community uh feeding the, the students and, and whatnot but in the same way that jesus fed the multitude. With a picnic basket lunch, not even yep. that, like a lunchable,
0: yep. Yep. yeah, yeah, 5, yeah
1: turned into 35,000 to make yeah. an impact on your yeah. community. Yeah. And the beauty of it is, again, like you said, the people that are rallying around you guys in order to make this happen, the people that God is bringing to uh, uh, Andrew Anderson and his church and his community. Are the agnostics and the atheists and you're all working together in order to love the people that God loves so much. And it's just crazy to watch that pan out. So
0: Yeah. One of the things you said that just struck me as you were talking, and our teams talked about it. You know, one of the one of the biggest songs in in worship circles right now is Waymaker. And the words of that song is that that, that, God, you're a Waymaker, miracle worker, promise keeper, light in the darkness. The thing that we as Christian leaders need to remember is that sometimes, we always know all the time Jesus is the way, but sometimes he wants to use us to, 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 be, uh, to be catalysts for the way, that, that these miracles are, are taking place because we're being obedient, that he'll use us to perform the miracles. Not that we're the miracle, we're being obedient to the miracle that, that God would have for people. And there are miracles that are being missed. Because we're not being obedient. And, and, and to your point, man, you said it, I love it, that Jesus with a lunchable radically rocked, transformed over, you know, they say, b- biblically, you look at it, it says 5,000 men. But what we miss, what we sweep over is it says women and children. Now, historically, they recorded men in the census. So that makes sense. So even if you just said women and children and you, and you just doubled that number super conservatively, over 10,000 people were fed with a lunchable. Mm. Now, now, had that boy had that boy in that moment been selfish with with what was his and said, no, no, no. These are these are my fish for my family. These are this is my bread for my family. You can't have it and took off and he just hightailed out of there and mm-hmm. cut, cut, bait and ran. Do I think Jesus still could have performed a miracle? Absolutely. We know emphatically Jesus could have, but he chose to use the selflessness and the obedience of a boy mm-hmm to transform an entire community. And how much more will Jesus do through us? As He says, these things you've seen me do, greater things will you do in my name. How much more could be done if we were selfless and if we allowed Jesus to multiply that lunchable, whatever that is, it may be meals, but it could be something super practical as far as supplies. Obviously, toilet paper is like a commodity right now. It's super invaluable and and, and those sorts of things. But how much could Jesus do through us if our attitude and approach to leadership was, was, Hey, look, uh, I, this is what I've got. And it may be hum- humble means like this, like this boy had, it, it, you don't have to be a philanthropist with more money that, you know, you make more money on interest a month than I'll ever make in, in a year. It didn't have to be like that. It, it, it's, it's about the, it's about the the motivation and not always the method. And so Jesus, what if we said to Jesus, God, this is all I have. This is all I've got. Like the widow with two mice this is what I've got to give. And I just pray that you would multiply your kingdom, in me through me by me whatever whatever that looks like whatever you want to do how much good could be done around our communities i mean it would change the world bro one life at a time it's just it's it's i love what you just said mm-hmm. that was brilliant
1: yeah yeah i'm just so impressed with what you guys are doing as i'm sitting on the opposite end of the computer screen watching how uh cbc and you and your team and your community have just come together um It's amazing because, and this is going to sound like I'm really lifting you up on a pedestal, um, and I don't mean it to be that way, but it's just because of what I've come to know about you. I know that that a lot of what's going on in Blair, Nebraska right now and the surrounding areas is just because God's wired you that way, um, and God's wired you to Mm. have the right team around you at the right time. Again, and God's the one that's putting all that together. You know, I always kind of look at church staff as – uh, God building up a, a football team or a baseball team, the best ones are the ones who know how to yeah. do their job well in order to uh, yeah. win the game. You know, as you were talking about earlier and when we were talking about leadership and where your passion came from, like sometimes the biggest playmaker is the big hoss on the offensive line that, you know, made the hole for the running yeah. back to go in and score the touchdown. So, uh, yeah, yeah.
0: But, I love, I love how I know how much, I know how much you love sports and I'm thinking about even like the last dance right now. That's all over ESPN. I mean, it's all over everywhere, <laughs> right. right? Talking about the Chicago Bulls run. Michael Jordan isn't who he is. It doesn't do what he does without the supporting cast around him. Everybody knowing who they are and what they're called to do and doing that well. So you're spot on, bro. That's great. Yeah.
1: Well, like I just said, Andrea, I'm, I've am i just been super impressed with how you guys are leading out. And, and it is. Like, yes, you're the senior pastor of Country Bible Church and you're the senior pastor in a... A uh, growing community, a growing church, but man, your leadership uh, is really uh, about the leaders around you as well, because it is a team effort. And just from my end, again, yeah. watching, I've just been super impressed. You know, we you read through the Bible and you get to the book of Esther, and uh, Esther's uncle Mordecai says to her a famous line that a lot of us know: "Who knows?" maybe for such a time as this, this is what God had in store for you. And there's no doubt in my mind that right now, what we've been experiencing on our end from Colorado Springs, we've been seeing God move in a mighty way since all this has taken place. It has forced the church into an untapped realm uh, in the the digital social media age. Uh, We're learning how to capitalize on that kind of stuff a little bit more. And I think the beauty in that is, there are more people who are hearing the good news that there is a God who is for us and not against us now uh, than yeah. ever before and just how you guys are being the actual hands and feet of Jesus in your community has been super encouraging for me to watch on my end so mm. um all that being said thanks man. Uh, yeah man all, all that being said if people wanted to get a hold of Andrew Anderson um uh, you know pick your brain uh talk about how maybe they could have the same kind of impact in their own community during this time? Maybe even talk about what's going to be your guys' next steps once everything gets back to uh, being normal, whatever that means. What's the best yeah. way that they can get a hold yeah. of you and connect?
0: Yeah, for sure. I, I would say that right now, with as much as I'm on my computer doing stuff, I'll probably email. And uh, You could email me at um, my – I'll give my, my personal – Email address, and that is revandrew1978 at gmail.com. And that would be, I'm pretty quick to respond to, to emails and would love to help whoever, however. So if there's anything that I can do or, or me and my staff can do, man, we, we want to do that. We're all about that. And for anybody who wants to know more about the church, they can check us out at countrybible.org. Or if they want to talk to anybody on our staff, info at countrybible.org is also another great way to get a hold of us.
1: Sweet, man. I'll put those in the show link. So if you're looking to get a hold of Andrew Anderson or Anybody at Country Bible Church there in Blair, Nebraska, you can click on those links in the show notes. Well, Andrew, man, super encouraged by you, super blessed for God making our paths cross. And I just want to thank you yeah. for coming on to this podcast and just giving us some insight of how God's wired you, why you're passionate about leadership and just how God's been using you. So thanks for coming on,
0: man. Yeah, it's my pleasure. Thanks for having me, Stuart. Thank you for listening to the Stew on This podcast. If you have enjoyed this episode and would like to hear more, we encourage you to subscribe to this podcast for future episodes. Thank you again for listening and God bless.